This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for now your word going forth. I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. Lord, you're so awesome enough that you can minister to every person here, even what is spoken, Father God. And so I just pray the presence of God and the anointing of the Spirit would just come upon me and and minister through me, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. So um, I'm just going to continue in the series here, and then we're going to have lunch here. How's that sound? Um, so this is the fourth, expectation. We got to expect great things, amen? Lunch is a great thing, especially when it's free. So the power of expectation, and has been saying each week that we need to understand that if God is going to do something, I believe he looks for people that have expectation, not people that walk around ho-hum and kind of wondering, well, let's see what God's going to do with arms crossed, and God loves expectation, and I believe expectation is the fuel for faith, and so that's why it's so important, and I said this, that an atmosphere without expectation will kill your dreams. How many have ever been around somebody, don't raise your hand on this because they may be next to you, that is ho-hum, depressed, everything is negative all the time? <laughs> Some of you shaking your head. I've been that. I, I, I've, I've been around that. At times, I have been that guy, you know, and, and my wife had to sort me out in that. And uh, so it's important we stay in a positive state because with that, that without expectation, it can kill our dreams. It destroys the hope that is within us. And, uh, but, but with a spirit of expectation, when we hope in God, we can have divine intervention in our life. We can see supernatural things. See, this is what the enemy likes to do. He likes to shroud and cloud our vision so we don't see what's really taking place. And we kind of wonder, God, where are you? What are you doing? And he is moving. We just can't see it. Isn't that right? Can't see it can't see it because we're clouded. And, and so we kind of, uh, uh, last week uh, ended uh, with uh, this text. It's been our text in Luke 3.15, and it's talking about John came on the scene, but it says, and the people were in expectation. One translation says they were on tiptoes, eager expectation. They were wondering, are you the Messiah? So they read the word of God, and they knew what the Old Testament said, the Messiah was coming, and then they kind of wondered, John, are you it? So there was an expectancy that was in the air. And we said this, that, uh, this quote, that you can have faith without expectation, but you can't have expectation without faith. Somebody say amen. And so, so we kind of ended with that, and we ended with some Bible examples of some men that stood on their tiptoes in expectation. One was the lame man in the temple in Acts 3, and then we also touched a little bit on blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. He was an expectant beggar, and I just want to finish kind of up with that. Uh, there's a, a scripture there in Mark 10:50 that I think it bears uh, uh, commenting on. It says, the man, which was blind Bartimaeus, flung away his outer garment. 
And then he sprang to his feet and he came to Jesus. So he could hear, but he couldn't see. Jesus was passing by. And we talked last week about, I believe that word went out throughout the region that, you know, that this Jesus was the Messiah, the son of David, and he was doing healings, all kinds of healings. And, and he felt inside, man, if, if he ever comes to Jericho, if he ever comes where I'm at, I'm going to get my healing. See, that's how faith is birthed. Are you expecting good things for your future? <laughs> Some of you are wondering, I don't know. <clears throat> but notice it said, blind Bartimaeus, he flung away his outer garment, and he sprang to his feet, and he came to Jesus. You know, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to deal with many of us this year to throw off some things. Amen. That was a good time to say amen, Pastor Mike. To get rid of some things, some things that are garments of, of sin, garments of bondage, garments of old ways of thinking, hab habitual garments that have been holding you back as a beggar, and God wants you to throw them off this year, and he's going to help you do it. I said he's going to help you do it if you can believe him. Can you say amen? So, so it's easy now to overlook the significance of this verse here. During those times, beggars were issued government clothing, signifying that they were legitimately disabled. In other words, it just it labeled them to all that were around to know, hey, this person is disabled. They're in need. Today we would say handicapped, and we have those are, uh, are, are those that are impaired, and and there are certain uh, signs that you have or license plates in this area that you park. Some people get it that really don't need it, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, you have spots and places where there's ramps, people that could get up, and it'd be similar to that. He was recognized, this blind Bartimaeus, as someone that was, that was disabled, and uh, uh, he had something that was issued by the government. Now, watch this. It says, as Barnabas cried out to Jesus, have mercy upon me, O son of God, son of David. It says he threw aside his garment. What was that meaning? Follow with me at this. He threw that thing that was issued, that thing that was given to him, that said that you are disabled, that you are blind, and you will always be this way. He threw that off, and he began to go to Jesus. I believe he was saying, in essence, I know I can't see yet. I'm not healed yet. But if Jesus is anywhere in my vicinity, I am casting off this garment. Can I get an amen? I am fully expecting that I will never go back to that way of life. See, that's victory, church. That's someone with expectation. I believe I'm not going to go back to begging. And that I, I just, I know that I know if I go near him and he, he prays for me, I'll be healed. And so Jesus, I believe he was expecting a miracle from the Lord. And he received it. Church, that's the power of expectation. Can I get an amen? He was expecting I want to remind you about something, church. The devil is not concerned of what you used to be. <laughs> He's not concerned uh, of what you even are right now. Watch this. He is quite content when you remain content. Maybe some of you with a crippled or blind state, never expecting things to change. That doesn't bother the devil. But do you know what torments Satan? This is what torments Satan. Satan is tormented because he's terrorized about what you could be. See, I grew up with a father heart wound. I've shared before. I shared at the men's conference there and had a, had a, a great impact on the young men. And, and God moved, and I was so grateful for that. But you see, if I would have stayed under that wound, if I would have stayed under that, that bondage, if I would have stayed under that beggar's garment, all right, if I would have kept that on, I would have been a person that every time he talked to me, I would have complaining about my dad. Come on now. Amen, men. 
And, you know, my dad this and my dad that. And, you know, it's amazing at times. It's just whenever I am back with my family and, and give it about 10, 15 minutes, like clockwork. It don't matter. You haven't seen someone in 10 years. You show up. It goes back to him. Why? It's a wound. And we, we bruise, and it's bruises. But Jesus stepped into the temple, and he said, I have come to heal the bruises of Satan. See, if I would have let that grip me, and it gripped me for many, many years, if I would have let that father heart wound, that beggar's garment, stay on my life, I would not be preaching the gospel today. I would not be in this pulpit today. I could be in prison. I, 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 could, I could be dead by now with that anger that was in my heart and, and, and that, that unforgiveness. But God is a good God, and he is terrorized by what you can be. That's why he fought so hard for me to not become all that God had me to become. What would cause a young man that a father looked upon him and said, you're not even my son because you were born with blue eyes. And feeling that rejection my whole life, where I couldn't even look up to him. And, and the hatred in his eyes at that time that I felt. And how he disdained me and, and just ostracized me in the family and had nothing to do with me. Because I was that you know son that wasn't his illegitimate. What would, what would cause someone like that to rise up and to step into what God has? Only God's mercy and truth, his grace. Can I get an amen? But I had to be willing. Come on now, church. Thank you. <laughs> we had to be willing. Satan is terrorized. He's fear-filled to know what you could be. Which you would could do. We just hear this testimony about the mission trip that Megan went on to Jamaica and how it impacted her life. She is marked for life with that. She will never forget that. That's why it's important to get plugged in, to serve, to be a part. You know, people tell me, he says, you know, Pastor, I was involved. I came to the church and I would come early, or I come late and you know leave uh, early, and I didn't get connected. And, and this person said, that's how Satan takes you out. Oh, preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. That's how he takes you out. Because while you're not connected where other people can see you and to love on you, to pray, how's it going? What's going on? And I need, and that's body ministry. But when you're like the phantom and you're in and you're out, nobody knows you and you're aloof, that's where Satan, he wreaks havoc. He wreaks havoc. Come on, can I get an amen? And so he's terrorized about what you couldn't be. That's why Satan, watch this, he is unrelenting. And his harassment in your life to keep you, excuse me, to keep you defeated and doubting God's ability through you. And I just want to declare to you there are great days ahead for you. Great miraculous interventions of God for you in your life, if you can believe it. Some of you kind of just shake your head, like, well, that's nice. I'll believe it when I see it. That's not an expectant heart. Amen. We want to be people that are expecting God to move. And so Satan, he always brings up your past. And, and if he does that, you say, I'm going to bring up your future, devil. You're going to be bound with chains, and you're going to be put in the pit, and God's going to deal with you once and for all. It'll loose off of your life. It's amazing how that oppression will leave in Jesus' name, especially if you put worship music on, you start worshiping God. And so uh, we have to keep going. We got to be in a spirit of expectation, especially this year, because I believe the best is still yet to come. And, you know, there's end of the world pundits and, and they're out there. And, you know, I just did a quick little study and I, I don't want to bore you with this, but, you know, we have to have expectant hearts that God has good things ahead for America. Amen. <laughs> 
yet for the world. Yeah, now I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand to know that, that there are not tsunamis that happen and there are earthquakes, there are fires that burn mountains in California and there are floods and there are, you know, tornadoes and, and hurricanes and frigid cold weather here in Minnesota. And, I mean, all of those things. It's because we live in a fallen earth, okay? It's going to happen. But God made a promise with the rainbow. Come on now. He said, okay, it flooded once, but I'll never flood it again. So you can be assured the whole earth will never be flooded again. Amen? But, but, but I don't have my head in the sand to know that catastrophic things will continue to erupt and happen. But you see, we shouldn't be ones that go, ah, that's it. I knew it. God's coming any minute. No, we should be ones that run to the tragedy and minister life. That's what we would be, rescuers. That's why we went down to Houston. Why? We want to rescue those that are perishing. That's the church. And so, you know, it doesn't get God wills it. It's just we're in a broken, fallen earth. Well, you know, we have these end-of-the-world pundits and doomsday. And, and I just want to encourage you, stop storing up freeze-dried food in old water. Start feeding the hungry. Start praying for the sick. Start giving to God's kingdom. Can I get it? Amen. I mean, my dad had a tribulation closet 45 years ago, and it was full of coffee, because he liked coffee, and what, just think about it, eight kids, and he figured, oh, shoot, well, I best to feed my kids, so he got the big cans of the yellow lima bean. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> you guys can eat that in the tribulation, I'll have my coffee. Uh, what am I trying to say? You know, this, go, these, this is just a print-off. It's 15 pages. And it's all from 66 A.D. to 2017 predictions. A lot of them are just hokey. They're, they're uh, unspiritual people and uh, religious fanatics. But I just highlighted a few that you may know of that are in the Christian circle. All right? There's 165 predictions uh, in this. And you can find this online. In 66 A.D., Simon Bar Gloria, he was a Jewish Essene, and he said uh, that... Because of the Romans invading in Judea, that the final end battle, which is going to bring about the, the arrival of the Messiah by the authority of Simon, they actually, coins were minted declaring the redemption of Israel. Never happened. In 799, Gregory of Tours, it says this, this French bishop calculated the end of the world would occur, be occur between 799 and 806. How many know that was a long time ago? Pope Sylvester II in 1000, January 1st, 1000, you know, New Year, this is it. The millennium apocalypse at the end of the Christian millennium, various Christian clerics predicted the end of the world on this date, including Pope Sylvester. Riots occurred in Europe and pilgrims headed east to Jerusalem. Nothing happened. Pope the Innocent in 1284, wasn't probably too innocent, but Pope Innocent died in 1216. He predicted that the world would end in 666 years after the rise of Islam. Not happening. Martin Luther in 1600 predicted the end of the world would occur no later than the 1600s. God bless Martin Luther. Amen. Christopher Columbus in 1658. Columbus claimed that the world was created in 5343 BC and would last 7,000 years, assuming no year zero. That means the end would come in 1658. Did not happen. Uh, in 1694, 
Johann and Zimmerman believed that Jesus would return and the world would end this year. John Wesley, come on all the Wesleyans, in 1836, Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, foresaw the millennial beginning this year. He wrote that Revelation 12, 14 referred to 1058 to 1836 when Christ should come. On and on. 1918, the International Bible Students Association said, Christendom shall be cut off in glorification of the little flock, the church, in the spring of 1918. 1977, William Brannan, the Christian minister, predicted the rapture would occur no later than 1977. Chuck Smith, Calvary Chapel, 1981. The founder of Calvary Chapel predicted the generation of 1948 would last would be the last generation that the world would end by 1981. <laughs> Smith identified that he could be wrong, but continued to say that in the same sentence, that he, his prediction was a deep conviction in my heart, and all my plans are predicated upon that belief. Sorry, Chuck. <clears throat> 1982, Pat Robinson. Uh, I'm not saying these are bad men. These are godly men, okay? These are, they missed it. Everything that's predicted that didn't happen, are you ready for this, was a lie. I don't mean they meant it as a lie. I don't mean that they were malicious in their heart. I believe they were sincere with all the heart, but it's not true. Come on, church. We're still here. Amen? Uh, let me just bring up the speed to the most recent ones here because it's pretty, pretty good. 2000, we heard Y2K, 2000, Jerry Fowell, Tim LaHaye, okay, Great Escape, and uh, Ed Dobson in 2000 predicted the end of the world, 2000, Pat Robinson again in 1990 said uh, in April 27th, and then 2014, 2015, John Hagee and Mark Blitz, you know, the blood moon prophecies, some of you read the books and bought the stuff, and you know, between 2014 and 2015 may represent the beginning of the messianic end time. And the last one, this David Mead in 2017, the author and conspiracy theorist David Mead predicted that Nibiru, that planet, that mystery planet that is happens to be out there that we can't see, will become visible in the earth sky and that said planet would then soon destroy the earth and Armageddon would take place during this date, October 25th, 2017. How many know we're still here? God has a plan, okay? He's got a purpose. He's got a purpose. And so, so we don't have to get in this kind of end of the world thing. We, you know, blind Bartimaeus, he believed the best was yet to come. He trusted in the Lord. He got up. He ran to his miracle. We don't have to see it to believe it, believe it because blind Bartimaeus saw it without seeing. Did you hear that? He saw it without seeing. That's a faith. That's the seeds of faith. What does that mean? We can start now, new, this year, to praise in expectation. Can I get an amen? We can sow in expectation. We can pray and fast in expectation. Let's expect God to move this year in our lives. Somebody say amen. Now, quickly here as I wind down to conclude, the law of expectation. You know, God has expectations. He has instructions in his word. There are, if I could say it this way, divine formulas, divine equations. Just like if you add one part oxygen to 
uh, water, H2O, it becomes H2O2, hydrogen peroxide, which can kill you if you drink that. And so, but it's just one part different. And, and what is God trying to say? I believe it, it, we shouldn't tamper with God's formulas. It can be catastrophic. We see some illustrations of that with Jonah running, disobeying, and how he fell under uh, judgment. And we hear the story about Ananias and Sapphire in the old in the New Testament. Excuse me, and you know how how something was short circuited there in the power of God. The law of expectation runs the earth, and we to expect we are built to expect great good things in our future. Can I get an amen? What am I trying to say? What we hear every day affects our faith. And if you listen to news too much and you can't filter it. Amen. You probably need to turn it down for a while. Just cut it off for a little bit. Feed yourself with some positive things. It doesn't mean you have your head in the sand. It just means, you know what, you, if you're being affected and fear-filled, and next week I'm going to, Lord willing, talk about that, but uh, about how anxiety works in the part of the brain and, and how the enemy gets in there. But, but expectation works, uh, it, 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 having that spirit. But, but this law also works in the negative. It works in the negative. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Imaginations. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 11, Genesis 11, just a very interesting verse. I'm not sure you're able to, to see all that, but it says in Genesis 11, 5 through 9, and it talks about the Tower of Babel. And this is where the language is. And they've actually excavated and found pieces of this tower and, and you know, where it was located. And, and it says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And this is what God says. Well, it says, behold, they are one. Somebody shout one. You know, there's nothing we cannot do if we're united as a church. And we see that. I'm so proud of the ladies that came together and the men that served recently in this just outreach and uh, to, uh, to the uh, anchored night. And, and everyone jumped in. You know, it wasn't always like that when we first started the church. <laughs> we were church on the wheels and we set up and we tear down and, 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 and we just didn't have that, you know, people vested in because we were new. We were new. Not so now. I'm so thankful. People have taken upon themselves to say, this is my church. It's not my church. It's your church. Amen? Some of you go, I didn't know it was my Yeah, it's your church. So take ownership of that. Step out. Lead. I love seeing the life groups. All the small groups. Opportunity. We used to have people call at the time saying, do you have anything during the week for people, for young couples? I'm sorry, we don't. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm sorry, we don't. We do now. We do now. What is it? It's the body stepping up. Hallelujah. So Genesis says this, that the people are one, and they all uh, have one language. And this is, uh, it says, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing they have imagined, somebody shout imagine, uh, that they can do will be impossible for them. God said this before the cross about, you know, people with one language building a tower, which actually was hedonistic. To, they didn't want there ever be a flood. They didn't trust God's promise with the rainbow. And so if we don't take care of ourselves, God won't take care of us. And they had expectation in the wrong way. And that all came down. But what I'm trying to say is, is that they were expecting to reach the heavens, and God said the thing that they've imagined they can do, 
And so God had to come down and disrupt that in different languages. And the next thing you know, they're talking Hebrew and the other one's talking Italian. And that really was a crazy group. And then the Irish speaking and then the Germans and all of the languages are spread out. And they're just like, well, we're just going to hang with you people because you're the ones. And they, and they split. That's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. Imagination. Imagination is powerful. Stand with me if you would, please. I want to just conclude with an illustration here. We are to expect God to move in every aspect of our life, especially when we pray. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> we don't have the mindset here at Harvest that our prayers are just kind of like pull tabs at the bar. Come on now. Yeah, 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 man, I don't know, I might, it might work, or not. oh, I didn't, you know, keep it, you know, all this money going out for a, come on now, I'm preaching, I'm preaching really good, <clears throat> you're not responding that well, you know what, if Christians, I won't just say this church, because I don't know, I'm believing all of you are not gambling, <clears throat> but if Christians would quit gambling and put the money into a building fund, we could have our church, Hallelujah. <laughs> I know some conviction is rippling right through this church right now. And right there through the TV in Jesus' name. We have a building fund, actually, Channel 181. And we're ready for to receive your gift and receive God's blessing. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, but we'd expect, you know, here's a true story, but it's actually quite funny. Stories told about a small town where there was no liquor stores. Eventually, however, a nightclub was built right on the main street. Members of one of the churches in the area was so disturbed that they conducted several all-night prayer meetings. And this is what they prayed. They asked the Lord to burn down that den of iniquity. Lightning struck the tavern, okay, a short time later, and it was completely destroyed by fire. The owner, knowing how the church people had prayed, sued them for the damages, his attorney claimed that their prayers had caused the loss. Watch this. The congregation, on the other hand, hired a lawyer and fought the charges. After much de deliberation, the judge declared, this is classic, it is the opinion of this court that whatever or wherever the guilt may lie, the tavern keeper is the one who really believes in prayer and the church members do not. <laughs> Every head bowed, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Lord, that's not what you've called us to be. Lord, we can expect great things from you. Lord, even at times, people may think we're out of our minds. We're crazy. But no, we're going to expect you to do great things, Father God. Supernatural things in and through our lives, in our marriages, in our physical bodies. You're healing, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we just declare that we need you. We need you more than ever. You're here this morning, and you don't have that expectation for eternal life. You don't have that hope, that assurance. As I share, the scriptures teach that, that these things are written that we may know we have eternal life. We can know, my brothers and sisters, sir, ma'am, young person, you can know. So how do you know? Because God's word is eternal. And, and it, it's everlasting. And where even Satan tried to destroy it and, and burn the word of God and get it written out, we still have the word of God today. And it is the most published book in all of, uh, of the world. Printed in printed form. The Bible. You hear and you say, Pastor, I want that assurance of salvation. 
It's a simple prayer, but it's a very costly prayer that Christ paid for that salvation. The Bible says you must be born again. You have a choice in the matter. You surrender your life to whoever you want to, to yourself, to another person, or to God. I would encourage you to surrender your life to God afresh and anew here today. If that's you, then pastor, pray for me. Let's pray together. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Today, I make a declaration. I will expect good things in my life, in my family, in my body, in my church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a worship, praise, clap offering. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I just want to invite the altar workers to come forward. And uh, uh, these people are here to pray with you. Um, there's going to probably be a line there going into the kitchen. Uh, we bless the food. We just thank you that it is blessed as we just fellowship here. I thank you for great fellowship. But if you need prayer, hands laid upon you, maybe anointing with oil. Could be something we talked about. It could be something we didn't touch on. You need agreement. That's what they're here for. These people are here to pray, to minister, to love on you. So don't leave here if you don't have to without getting ministered to. Amen. Let me bless you. Father, we just thank you. I just declare... Deuteronomy 28, blessed shall they go forth in the country, in the city, the highways, the byways, wherever, whatever they set their hands to, it may prosper, Father God. I just speak that over the people of God, and Lord, that we would have expectant hearts. Lord, even this week until we come together next Sunday, Lord, we would come with expectation of you doing mighty things in our life throughout this week. I pray for divine appointments for the people of God. I pray for uh, financial opportunities. I pray for contracts. I pray for supernatural favor of all the businessmen and women in the families and those sons or daughters that are wayward. I just declare in the name of Jesus, they will come back to God in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Have a blessed lunch. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.